there's a lot of excitement in my heart um, as to what the Lord has for this morning um, for a lot of reasons. Um, one, because of obviously what the Lord's been doing in my life and in Danielle's life, in our journey. Um, and, uh, and so, man, God's just been, been working in us. Um, but really, more, more than that, um, just in the past couple months, having my eyes open to need. Um, and, and even the call on our lives of what it looks like for us to respond to need. And so, um, before we even dive into this morning, I, I want to um, caution us, and then I want to pray um, against the work of the enemy, okay? Um, because uh, here's, here's the goal of this morning. The goal of this morning is to help us become aware and help our eyes be open to um, the need in the world. Now, on some level, we're very aware of need in the world. We're very aware, okay, there's orphans in this world that need help, okay? But my prayer is that God would stir our hearts, but um, the goal isn't that we would be guilted into action. Do you follow that? that we would gladly submit to the, the Spirit's movement of God in our heart. Okay, and, and even as, 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 as I talk and as the Lord moves, in no way, listen, in no way do I desire or want to put our journey and our story up as the model. Okay, hear that. In no way do I want to put our journey and our calling up as the model calling for you. Not at all. What I want to do is I want to encourage you to hear the Spirit of God this morning for what the outworkings of orphan care look like for your life and for your family. And for many of you, they will look nothing like they look like for my life and my family. I'm praying that for some, they will. So I want to pray, and I want to prepare us. Um, So let's pray. Papa, we run to you this morning. For you are all that we have. We were orphaned children wallowing in our own excrement, and you called us out. You rescued us and adopted us into your family. And so, God, would you stir our hearts to act and respond the way your spirit would lead? Would you um, guard against any sense of manipulation this morning? Any sense of um, guilt that's not wrought by your spirit, God? And would you, um, would you move? Would you prepare our hearts to just hear whatever you want to say to us this morning? And would you receive the glory? God, what an unbelievable privilege to be called and beckoned into workers for your name and for your kingdom. Make our ears prepared to hear. In Christ's name, amen. I want to show you a quick video. Ben, fire that. I think the most striking statistic that was just showed is that um, the one that said that if one family from one out of every three churches, one family from one out of every three churches responded and adopted, there'd be no more orphans in the U.S. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, how hopeful is that for the, the tragic crisis of, of orphans in, in our 
in our world and in our country. James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, so what is an orphan? Um, let me give some definition to this. Um, an orphan, um, plain and simple, is a child who's lost one or both parents. would be defined as, as an orphan. Um, simply put, here's what it means to be an orphan, to be alone. To be alone. There are estimated there are 153 million orphans worldwide. And listen, those are the ones that are known institutionalized, they can account for, those, that number does not account for those that have just been simply abandoned and just left on the streets. There are 500,000, a half a million children in foster care in America today. And of that half a million, 130,000 of them are immediately ready and waiting to be adopted and then here, here, this is pretty striking. The U.S. State Department estimates that there were some, somewhere between 300,000 and 400,000 that have been trafficked and enslaved in some way of children in the U.S. Between 300 and 400,000 children trafficked every year in the United States. Um, I think that you and I would be well aware to this fact that our world views kids as very disposable. That when we look at kids, it's like, you know what, if, if they're in the way, like, we just get rid of them. We don't need them. They're a, they're a bother. So we have this tendency to just to allow, get our lives to, to cater to us and to push aside them because they're just kids, right? We can just get rid of them. And, and even more so, our world will tell us, well, no, we'll exploit them. We'll use them as a means to better us. To make our lives more convenient. So that we can flourish. And I know every single one of you in this room, your heart breaks for that mindset. The kids aren't a commodity. Um, Jesus, how does he view kids? Matthew 18. If you want to turn there, you can. Matthew 18. Here's what it says, beginning at verse one, how does Jesus view children? It's pretty profound. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because okay, you can imagine like, what's going through the disciples' mind as they're asking, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who is it that you would hold up as like, this is what you should strive for in the kingdom of heaven? And then look at what he says. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. So picture this. So Jesus is sitting with his boys. They're sitting in a, here in, in some type of circle or something, and they're talking about who's the greatest. And he beckons a child to come and enter into the middle. And he says, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck 
and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So he, he says that children are a picture of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Like what, what, does that, what does that mean? What is that referring to? Children are a picture of the kingdom of heaven. There's no greater picture of the joy and exuberance that's found in relationship with Jesus Christ and the joy and exuberance that's found in the heart of a child. Okay? In the innocence, but not innocence in the sense of children aren't depraved and sinful. No, parents, we know that couldn't be further from the truth, correct? Okay, but innocence in the sense of their dependence and their utter desperation for help, even though they think that's not the case, (laughs) but their desperation for help. And that's the picture that Jesus holds up for children to be the, the picture of what it looks like for us to live Children of God in the kingdom of God. And then um, flip to the right in Matthew 19. Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching about broken families. The beginning of 19. And then, then someone in the midst of Jesus teaching about broken families. Someone brings a child to Jesus. Okay, 19. Look at verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray for them. So Jesus is teaching about broken families, and all of a sudden, look what happens. These people are like, yeah, these kids need to be prayed for. So they're like, who better to pray for the kids than Jesus, right? So he brings his kids over to pray for them, and then look what happens. The disciples rebuke the people. Okay, so these are Jesus' guys. Jesus has been training. They rebuke the people. Like, no, 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 Jesus is teaching. Like, this isn't time for kids. And, And look at what Jesus does. Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. So Jesus turns and he rebukes his disciples. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. There could not be further opposing views of how the world views children and how Jesus views children. Children are desperate for help in the same way that we're orphans. Apart from the, spiritually, we're orphans that are in desperate need of God's rescuing. I love this picture in Psalm 68. It says this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. That's, like, God's looking for those who don't have a father, who don't have parents, who are lonely and abandoned, and he's saying, I'm going to come and rescue you. And it goes on to say, God sets the lonely in families. In the heart of every single one of us, in particular in the heart of every single kid, is a desire to be loved. A desire to be included. A desire to be a part Picture this. Picture your family. Picture those of you that have grown up in families that have loving parents and you've been provided for and you've been disciplined and parameters have been set. And picture kids who have none of that. In fact, their parents have just kicked them out. I 
Because kids have a desire to be loved and included and welcomed. The same way that God has welcomed us. Go to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Start at verse 3. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, so here it says we're enslaved to sin. And that God comes along and sin, what, what, what is sin? Sin separates us from God, right? Okay, sin demands punishment. Okay, but in Christ, what do we know? We're justified. That justification is a word that means we're legally made right with God. But here's what's unbelievable about salvation. is that it goes past a legal change to an adoptive change. It goes past just the your, your sins won't damn you to hell. Okay, that's good news. But when there's an invitation past that to come to me, when, when, when it goes on and, and it says, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that you might receive adoption as sons. And because you are a son, God has set the Spirit, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Okay, so ladies, let me explain why it calls you a son. Okay, culturally, in, in this time, it would, have, it would have not made any sense for Paul to use daughters, because a son had the inheritance. A son had all the rights from the father. And so what it's saying is that in Christ, we have absolutely everything he has to offer. We have his fullness, his invitation, the inheritance of heaven is ours in Christ. That we're adopted. So it's not just like you're not damned to hell, but it's like you're invited into all that I am. 2 Peter 1.3, he's given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge There's two books that have been pretty profoundly shaping for me. Um, one is called Orphanology, and one is called Adopted for Life. Both of these books are on the back table. Um, they're free. I mean, if God's stirring in your heart and you want to dive deeper, um, there's, a, there's a several back there. Take one. Read it. Take one. Give it away. But um, in, in this book, Adopted for Life, a guy by the name of Russell Moore, he, he put it this way. He, put, he quotes and he says this. Here's how he describes adoption. The universe was meant to be a home where the image bearers of God rule and serve under their father. It was all to be ours. The primeval insurrection in the garden, though, turned the universe into an orphanage. The heirs were gone, done in by their appetites. A serpent now holds the cosmos in captivity, driving among the disposers, the deposers, rulers as his slaves, the whole universe is an orphanage. But what, is, what does God do? 
John 14, 18. Anybody know what that says? I will not leave you as orphans. That's our story. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so he did in the person of his son. Pastor John Piper says it this way, the deepest and strongest foundation for adoption is, is located not in the acts of humans adopting humans, okay? We're, we're just in awe of people who adopt, right? You, a human adopted a human. It's not the foundation. The foundation is in God adopting humans. And this act is not part of this ordinary providence in the world. It is at the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. Um, now, uh, I'm incredibly excited for Emily to be here. Emily, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come up here. Um, so, Danielle and I have had the chance to get to know Emily. And we're going to chat up here a little bit. Thanks for being here. Um, so, uh, we've known Emily for... Well, I, don't know, I met you. You didn't meet me, but I met you probably years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, so remind, should be remind on. me. Am I on? Yes. Okay. At a previous church. Okay. Um, anyway, so, um, uh, so Emily is uh, from One Heart Family Ministries, is the director at One Heart. And, uh, and so Danielle and I have had the chance to get to know her the past couple months. Um, in some fun fashion. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, um, your story, even your, your, your parents, and just your, kind of your upbringing. Sure. So the Lord started working in my heart to get involved in foster care and adoption as a young, young child. My parents felt led to be a foster family and started fostering for Bethany Christian Services. Uh, I was probably eight or nine years old at the time when they started. And their journey through foster care was over 20 years or so with about 45, 46 kids uh, coming and going and being loved by our family. But God wasn't saying just have some come and let them go. Some of them might be keepers. So over the years, um, my parents and our family adopted four kids, uh, one through Bethany and then three through foster care. And um, there were three of us biological kids and then four adopted kids. So it was a journey just amazing to see how the Lord created our family in, in the way he weaves his tapestries like no one else can. Um, but that uh, wasn't the end. The Lord said, Emily, I'm calling you to get involved in foster care your, yourself. And so when I was 23, 12, no, 22, I don't know, 12 years ago or so, um, I became a foster mom myself and really felt like God was calling me initially to care for infants because uh, I had not parented before. I was not married. I'm still not married. But the Lord was calling me into foster care. So 12 years ago, I took my first little guy, had him for a little over a year, and then he ended up being adopted by another single woman at our church, uh, who I still have the joy of seeing every Sunday at church. Uh, he's really special, special needs kiddo, and just sweet to see him praise the Lord every Sunday. But then um, as I was considering my second kiddo, my adopted sister found out that her birth mom had had another baby. It was number 11 for this birth mom. She has not been able to care for any of the children. And she said, Emily, I think this baby's up at Children's Hospital. Let's go find out, see what's going on. We connected with a social worker and found out this baby was going to be coming into foster care. 
So um, she ended up spending about six months in the NICU at Children's and then came home to me. And as the story unfolded and found out that she would not be able to go home and that the Lord was going to be um, seeking an adoptive family for her, I sat down with my entire family and said, okay, this little girl is so in so many ways a part of our family. We cannot let her go. What should we do? And my mom and dad said, Emily, we're done. We're not adopting anymore. My, my youngest sibling was probably early teens at the time, and so they said, no more, we're done. But we give you our blessing if the Lord calls you to adopt this little one. And then my sister Tamika was in college, and she, of course, did not feel led to adopt her sister at that time. And so she, too, gave me her blessing. So my oldest daughter, Monet, is now 11. Um, but it's been a journey. Over the years, God has then uh, told me to adopt three more. So I have a daughter, Maya, who's eight, a daughter, Evelyn, who's seven, a daughter, Ruby, who is five. And then we've continued to foster, as I said, I've had, or if I've said, I've had about 25 kids in 12 years. Um, and then I currently have twins that are three years old that I've had for three years. And hopefully, Lord willing, in 2014, uh, I'll be able to adopt them as well. So, and then I'll be done. Can only have six children. Sure? <laughs> yes. I mean, sing, single mama six. Like <laughs> I don't mean. Legally, I have to be. So I guess I will be. Good. But yeah, that's that's my journey, kind of in a nutshell. It, it's been full of the Lord's grace and full of His just guidance um, in knowing which children were supposed to be a part of our lives forever, which were supposed to go on to other adoptive families, and of course, more than half of them were reunited with their biological families. So. Yeah, um, so you direct One Heart. Will you tell us a little bit about One Heart? So 10 years ago, my mom and a good friend, Robin Cruzy, were sitting at a football game. We had siblings that kind of all went to schools together. And my mom and Robin were chatting, and Robin said, you know, we've been a foster family for 20-some years. This family had adopted five boys through foster care in addition to their four biological kids, and they felt like God was calling them to do something else. So as my mom and Robin were chatting, uh, my mom said, we ought to talk to Emily. She's led a foster care ministry at our church, just a support group type thing for families for quite a few years. She may have some interest in chatting with you about where God's guiding your heart. And as we got together, we really realized that um, a ministry was needed to care for families that are walking through the foster care journey. So One Heart was started to really recruit Christian families to get involved in the foster care system, to then give them the state training, but do it from a Christian perspective so that they learn that this really is a ministry, and then also care for and support families after they've brought children into their home whether it's to just listen after a rough day or find a community resource to support them and care for them. Whatever we can do, we want to do. So One Heart is a ministry. We're not an agency. But we've been around 10 years, and we've got about 180 families that have come through our door and gone through our classes and are loving and caring for kids in the community. So, um, And they're, I just say they're incredible. Um, we've been to 27 hours of training at One Heart, and uh, heard numerous stories from people who've been with other organizations and been trained by other organizations, or um, people who've come to One Heart for a replacement class or a makeup class, and are just like, I want to come here for the rest of my classes, um, because they do it from such an unbelievable God-centered perspective, Um, and they say all the time, I don't know how people who don't know the Lord can do this. I mean, single mama six, does God kind of help you? You keep saying that. (laughs) Sorry. No. Um, so I, I know. I wake up every morning and do remember I have six children. Like, don't remind me. Don't remind me. 
Um, so um, maybe there's some sitting in here that um, don't know that they're called to adopt or foster. Um, and how would you counsel them or even discern if that's something that the Lord might have for them? Yeah, I just encourage you to start praying. And I guarantee when you start praying and opening your heart and mind, God's going to put other families that have been involved in foster care and adoption, they're going to cross your path somehow, some way, through work, through the grocery store, through church, whatever. You're going to find families that have been called to foster or adopt kiddos. And listen to their stories. Um, There's going to be some tough stories out there, but there's going to be some amazing stories out there as well. And just listen to those and seek the Lord's guidance. And it doesn't mean you have to say yes today. We've got, I have a sweet friend who she, as the wife and mom of the family, was called to foster and adopt, but her husband husband wasn't called the same day. She prayed for seven years for her husband to get involved and want to be involved in foster care and adoption. Fast forward many years, they ended up adopting seven children. So it, you know, it, it has to be a couple decision or a single individual, um, but you just don't know what God's got planned. So just be open and being willing to do the research, gather the information, talk with families, and just see where the Lord's guiding you in all this. There's, there's so many ways to get involved. So we may talk about that eventually here too. Maybe. We'll see. Um, so you're in this every single day. Um, one of the big things that you promote is um, just help from the standpoint of people calling one heart and asking questions if they're in the process or interested in the process. Um, You have a lot of conversations and a lot of um, just uh, phone calls and whatnot. Can you kind of maybe share a story of your own experience just describing the need that's present in our world and in our society, uh, what some of these kids are coming out of and coming to a family that would uh, want to care for them. Sure. Kids are coming into foster care because they've been abused or neglected. Kids of all ages come into foster care every day, so newborns all the way through 17, 18-year-olds. Most of those kids that are waiting to be adopted are probably going to be 10 years old and above or a part of sibling groups, but they all have their own stories, and they are coming with baggage, but it's amazing how God can work through that as he just opens your heart to love for them and care for them. Um, sometimes folks think that it's the babies that are easier. They don't have any baggage. Well, I've all six of my girls I've picked up from the hospital um, as young infants. Some of them obviously had to stay in for a while because they were premature. But I've picked up every single one of them from the hospital. And one of my kiddos that I picked up, I thought she was a smooth sailing, no problems, um, weren't sure if there was exposure to any drugs or anything at that when she first came to me. But as her story unfolded, I found out that she really experienced in her in the womb, there was a lot of domestic violence going on between birth mom and birth dad. And the way that impacted her, even before she was born, was very negative. Um, so as a young infant, she was not, she could not even focus to drink a bottle. She needed it completely dark, completely silent. She needed um, a lot of extra kind of bouncing and, and kind of sensory input stimulation to just calm her down and calm her little spirit because she had heard so many negative, horrific things during pregnancy. And you read and learn more about the different um, chemicals that kids are just um, naturally exposed to when a person or a woman who's pregnant and is living in fear and is hiding her pregnancy and the serotonin and all those other big words that are out there um, really impact kiddos. So 
I've had her since she was born, but the challenges that we have every day due to some of her hereditary things that she was born with and the pregnancy that she was exposed to, this sweet girl is one moment a delight. You'll probably see her this morning, and she will knock your socks off because she's as cute as can be and so sweet, and the next moment this other little person comes out and is very, very hurtful and doesn't know that she's loved and is seeking love in kind of a hurtful way and attention in a hurtful way. And knowing that the Lord can conquer that, that the enemy can can be defeated, even in this little one who was exposed to yucky stuff before birth, has been loved since the day she was born, but um, has still some just challenges understanding what that love is. And that's all of these kids that are in the system. Whether they've come in as a newborn or come in as a 15-year-old, they don't understand what love is, healthy love of a family, or especially they don't understand what the love of the Lord is. So working with them, building that trust, loving them through the tough times, caring for them in ways that you have to go above and beyond and have an extra dose of patience in some situations, the Lord will meet your needs to love these kids, and he can heal them and overcome the yucky stuff that happened either before birth or for 10 or 15 years after birth. It's amazing to see the Lord heal these kiddos, um, and he needs folks like you to love for them and care for them um, and just show the love of the Lord to them in ways that they've never seen it before. Um, what are some ways that uh, families and individuals who might in no way be able to bring a kid into their care uh, through adoption or foster care, um, how, how can they help? Um, in the midst of the need? First of all, I think the biggest thing is to pray for families that are walking through this journey, whether it's just the beginning of the journey and going through classes or families that are actually bringing kiddos into their home or have adopted years ago. Pray for those families, and that's very simple, but for someone to come up to me and say, Emily, hey, what's going on this week? How can I pray for you? It just gives me an extra boost for that day, for that week, whatever it is, to know that someone else cares and is is really loving me through this process and and praying for my kiddos through this process. Um, Other ways that you can get involved are, are simple in that through One Heart, we have a couple different things going on throughout the year. In the summertime, we collect school supplies. A lot of these kids or even families that have seven, eight uh, foster or adopted kids, school supplies can be a big expense. So we ask for families to help donate school supplies and put those things together. At Christmas, we do a Christmas blessings program for families. Um, maybe there's a foster adoptive family you know or, or one that's kind of in the waiting that just needs supplies to get ready for kids. Maybe they don't have any kids, so they need a bunk bed or a crib or toys or whatever, find out if there's material things that you're maybe ready to to move on and and let go of that you could bless them with. Um, And then also, I think, just saying, hey, can I bring you a meal? Um, When families bring in foster kids and maybe you think about meals for the new babies. I've seen a couple of precious new babies here this morning. So we think about bringing meals to those families, but for a family that adopts or fosters maybe four, five, six-year-old kiddo, we don't always think that they might need a meal too, but sometimes they need meals more than even the families of new babies because it's a little chaotic those first few days and first few weeks when you've got additional kids around uh, the house and around the dinner table. So maybe it's as simple as bringing a meal to those families to show them that you care. Um, so from the standpoint of just your own um, personal journey, um, not even so much as a professional, but um, just as a mom, um, how has your view of the Lord and his adoption of you, 
how does God just kind of work that in your mind and how's you know just your view of the Lord changed in the midst of your practically physically adopting your girls and God's adoption of you I think any parent can realize from very early on how selfish we are as humans and how much we do want everything to go our way and um, then this kiddo, whether they're newborns or older kids, join your family, you realize, oh, I've got to feed them first, and I've got to get them dressed, and I've got to provide all these things for them, and all my needs get put on the back burner. But knowing that um, through that whole process, the Lord has shown me how much I need him. Every morning before my feet hit the floor, I say, Lord, I know you're going to use me today. I know I'm going to hit some rocky stuff with my kids or with work or whatever it is, but I know that you're going to meet every single one of my needs. And if I didn't have that mindset when I first woke up in the morning, I couldn't do this. I need the Lord and his grace and his mercy in every single moment of my day. As a mom, as as a professional, just as a daughter of the Lord, I know that I need him in ways that I've never known before. If I had easy peasy kids, we could walk in and out of a room and I may not know I need the Lord, but I know that my kids have some tough stuff going on where they need the Lord to meet their needs. And in order for me to meet um, their needs. I need the Lord to meet my needs. Um, and you know, it's, it's stuff as simple as kiddos that have learning disabilities and they don't process. And so the way we talk at our house has to be very simplistic. And so even just the Lord teaching me how to care for my kids and meet their individual needs. Um, he has done that and he continues to do that this morning. The Lord decided, or or Satan decided, that he was going to fight the Lord and cause some major issues and behavior issues with one of my kiddos, and pretty serious stuff. And I was like, okay, Lord, you've got a plan. You know that there's someone at this church that needs to hear about kids in the system that need your love, because I know Satan, the enemy, is attacking through my kids and the behaviors that we were experiencing this morning. But he will win the battle, and the Lord will conquer the tough stuff that's going on, whether it's the fear you have for just considering foster care or adoption. Um, There's some tough stuff, but God just heals and his power is so much stronger than anything else that's going on out there. Um, So I just encourage you to to seek him and know that he's going to grow you as a person and grow you as a mom or a dad um, in some incredible ways. So hang on tight for the journey. (laughs) Um, Last thing, what, what would you say as a mom foster and adoptive mom, what's been the biggest blessing um, in being a part of that process, that journey? Um, I think knowing that the Lord trusts me to love these specific kiddos that are in my home. I mean, he has given me what I need in order to be able to meet their needs. And I mean, that is so incredible. Days when I'm ready to give up and say, Lord, I cannot do it. I keep going back to the Lord gave me these specific kids for his purpose and his reason, and I don't always understand it. I don't always feel like I have what it takes to care for them today in the ways that they need to be cared for, but he meets my needs, and um, the sweet, sweet thing is to see how these kids have come from all different biological families and are now going to be sisters, uh, you know, four of them that already are and hopefully two more that will be by the end of next year 
just the joy that they can have, not every moment of the day, but that they can have many moments of the day, loving for each other, playing with each other, and and just the sweet ways that God knew that these six girls should be sisters forever. To me, it's almost more miraculous than a biological family because they've come from five different families. The last two are twins. So they've come from five different families five different stories. And God said, I want those six girls to be, to be sisters forever. And so I'm excited as, as sometimes the hope or the, the fear of six teenage girls is a little scary. Um, I, I also know that, you know, having sisters myself, there can be some really precious things that sisters share. And so I have hope that the Lord's going to use that. And then also just their stories. They, some of them already want to be foster and adoptive moms. So I'm excited to see how big and great this, this whole family could be someday. So. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, we're going to take a second and pray for Emily. Um, I'm blessed to have you. We want to be a blessing to you. Um, I asked Danielle if she would take a second and just pray. Um, you can, whatever you want to do. Amen. Thank you, Emily. Encourage you to, you know, after the service, get a chance to chat with Emily, and um, if you have further questions, she would love to to hear those. Um, I want to I want to show a, a quick uh, video. We all need love. But kids like us just have one thing, a wish. Please, somebody, see me, talk to me, care for me. I dreamed a hope for my mommy and daddy, and a good mommy and daddy, too. I would always be seeing kid, other kids with families, but I would never see myself with one. When Jasmine was with me, it was important to me because then I knew she was safe and nobody would um, harm her or anything. When I was growing up, it was very scary. I felt I was growing up by myself. I didn't have anyone to rely on. Nobody wanted a 14-year-old. Whatever I could do to make their childhood better, I was going to do it. I told my social worker, go ahead and put my brothers up for adoption without me. Their chances were so much better without me. And that's all I wanted was for them to be happy. At night, they didn't hug me or anything. They just, they just went to sleep. One simple word can make all the difference in the life of a child like us. Say yes and see what your love can grow. The first night it's been a night there, I looked at their eyes. I felt in love. Mom and Dad make me feel like I really belong to a family. I want them to know that they were the family we were hoping for. It was like hope came back into my life, you know. Before, I didn't think I would make it, but now I know that I will always have my family. When we were at our parents' house, I felt so happy because 
we're all together. And I knew my sister was going to be with us forever. I don't have to be lonely anymore. Now I'm just a regular kid. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That verse is a call from God for us. This word visit literally is this picture of entering into someone's pain. I mean, you can just hear it in some of those kids, just the pain that's in their heart. Just a desire that someone would love them. And, and when the, the command comes to us, this idea of, of visiting, what it is, it's a picture in the same way that God visited us. In the same way that God said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I will rescue you. And he sent his son, Jesus. And in the very hardened fabric of our adoptive identity, according to Romans eight seventeen, is this call to suffer with to suffer with how do we engage in the need that's around us how do we engage in the need that's in the world how do we as the church respond to the call of god to rescue orphans and i want us this morning to shatter this notion this american dream reality that maybe this morning God would call some of us out of just this comfortable life. And I just love what Emily said. Just every morning, I'm just like, God, I need you. And he's given her these six girls that, that show her every day, I can't do this without the Lord. And I need his help. That's the kind of thing that God's called us to. To run from the pursuit of self-comfort and convenience and an easy life. You know, there's a, there's a children's home in our community called Mary Grove. And every single year, they, they take in some 650 kids. And they care for them. Man, you know you can go there and you can be a mentor to those kids? You, know, you can go there and build relationships and love them. And maybe God's calling you to give sacrificially in a way that your family has to adjust and give financially. If you want to do that, if you feel called to that this morning, if you feel called to give to One Heart, we'd love to you know, write a check to North Church, designate it One Heart, and we'll get that money to them. Maybe God's calling you and leading you to sacrifice something in your family so that orphans are cared for. Maybe. Just maybe. Some empty nesters, God's calling to adopt to care for kids. Listen, it's crazy because this day, for some of you, will mark the journey and the steps of obedience that will come even years down the road of God stirring in your heart and awakening your heart to what obedience looks like. Yes, today, but even taking you on the journey to care 
for those that have need. Maybe it's foster care. Maybe it's adoption. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning, and I want us to respond to is how is the Lord, how is the Spirit of God leading you and your family to respond to the needs around us? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your adoptive love. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but that you came to us. You came to us. You beckoned us into your arms. You visited us through the work of your Son. God, I pray that you would raise up in this church a community that is unashamed about loving the least of these, that is unashamed of putting aside their own lives, their own agenda, and running hard to bring some hope to those who, without the love of Christ, have no hope. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love in Christ's name, amen.